Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hi, this is Rabbi Morty Schwartz, and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm the Beit Midrash Director at the Jewish Theological Seminary of America, and it's my pleasure and privilege today to present to you uh, Nazir Daf 9. Um, so, I want to talk a little bit about the concept that we're going to face in this Daf before we actually go into the text. So, I think if you've listened to the previous uh, podcasts through Masechet Nazir, you already are aware of what a Nazir is uh, and also the three major um, pieces, the three major prohibitions that the Nazir refrains from doing, uh, that is drinking wine, uh, cutting hair, and coming into contact with the dead. Uh, what we're going to encounter today is uh, a person who uses the word Nazir, who says they're going to become a Nazir, and then specifies what that means. And when they make that specification, when they describe what it is that a Nazir is, they use some other prohibition. In the case of what we're, uh, that we're going to look at today, they specify that they're going to refrain from eating certain types of foods, specifically figs and dates. Yes, that's right, figs and dates, uh, because they're so incredibly tempting. I guess you might want to conceptualize it in a modern uh, context. This is a person who's going to swear off candy, going to swear off sweet things. So if a person says, I'm going to become a Nazir, and specifically I'm going to become a Nazir from eating candy, does that mean that they have made a vow effectively to avoid eating candy, and that's the entirety of uh, what their vow consists of? Or do we say, nope, they said they were going to be a Nazir, and therefore what they have to do is take on all of the prohibitions that are laid out in the Book of Numbers, the typical prohibitions of a Nazir. That is to say, they're going to have to refrain from drinking wine, coming in contact with the, bed, the dead, and cutting their hair. So that's the, the specific question. This is made more complex because um, we're going to see in the Mishnah that starts out our daf, uh, we actually have a dispute uh, about this issue between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, which is fairly typical. But there's actually an additional layer of dispute which makes things incredibly complex. And that is uh, we have a dispute about what the dispute was between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. And so we're going to actually take a look at that. Uh, our daf uh, consists of a Mishnah at the top of the page. That is to say, Mishnah Nazir 2.1, the first Mishnah in the second chapter of Nazir. And then immediately following that Mishnah, we have a, a chunk of Gemara. That chunk of Gemara uh, actually divides structurally uh, into, three, into three small chunks. Um, the first of those chunks, which I'll talk about, tries to deal with the issue conceptually, tries to understand uh, what's going on between the dispute between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai conceptually, in other words, to understand what's going on underneath the dispute, what's at stake. The second of those chunks 
actually is going to uh, present a, a, an even different, an additional layer, add an additional layer of complexity by, by presenting a different version of what, uh, uh, meaning now we're going to see a, 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 a third and maybe even a fourth version of what the dispute between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai actually was. And then finally, the last chunk of the Gemara is going to juxtapose our Mishnah and the dispute in our Mishnah with uh, other instances where people make vows, and those vows are out of consonance with what seems to be indicated by the Torah. So those are the three chunks. I know that that sounded very, very abstract. Uh, we're going to get much more specific as we actually take a look at those things. So let's start out by looking at our Mishnah. This is Mishnah Nazir 2.1. It says the following thing. It says, So a person says, I am going to be a Nazir. And then their statement continues, refraining from, by refraining from, figs and dates. So this is a very strange statement. Uh, I've already introduced the idea, but the idea is, I use the word Nazir, and then in describing what a Nazir actually is, I include uh, prohibitions which are not part of the Nazir prohibition. And presumably I'm also excluding, although I'm only doing this implicitly, but I'm ex presumably I'm excluding the typical prohibitions. I'm not talking about being prohibited in drinking wine or coming into contact with the dead or cutting my hair. So if a person makes that statement, we have a dispute that's recorded between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Beit Shammai Omrim Nazir. So apparently Beit Shammai says this person is a Nazir. They actually do have to refrain from all of those typical prohibitions that a Nazir has to refrain from, from drinking wine, from cutting hair, from coming into contact with the dead. But the vow about the figs and the dates, about refraining from figs and dates, is not effective. Uveit Hillel Omrim Eino Nazir, and Beit Hillel says that person is not a Nazir. Now that's all the Mishnah says. It just says that Beit Hillel says that a person is not a Nazir, but presumably, uh, and the way this is most broadly understood, is that the vow for Beit Hillel was effective, that what happened is they have not become a Nazir, but they have effectively made a vow, and all they are prohibited from doing is eating figs and dates, or if you want to say in a modern context, from eating sweets. So then if we actually look at the second plank of the Mishnah, there's a layer of complexity, as I said, which is added, where we have the statement of Rabbi Yehuda, who records a different version of this dispute between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. Amar Rebbe Yehuda. Rebbe Yehuda says, Af kesha amru Beit Shammai. When Beit Shammai made their dispute with Beit Hillel, Lo omru eleb omer hare alai korban. They were actually only talking about a person who makes a sacrificial vow. In other words, even Beit Shammai understands that the word Nazir here doesn't really mean the Nazir as it's laid out in the book of Numbers, but really they recognize this is a person who's just trying to make a vow. And according to Rebbe Yehuda's understanding, even Beit Shammai says this person isn't a Nazir. What they're saying is instead that the vow that they made is effective. And it was Beit Hillel who said, not only are they not a Nazir, but their vow itself wasn't effective. So we really have two completely, completely divergent understandings of what the dispute between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai was. One in which, according to, which is the standard view apparently, that uh, Beit Shammai said that the person 
is in fact a nazir, but the vow is not effective, whereas Beit Hillel says the vow is effective and the person is not a nazir. That's one view, the first voice in the Mishnah's view. And then we have Rabbi Yehuda, who apparently had the idea that Beit Shammai said the vow is effective and they're not a nazir, and then Beit Hillel saying not only are they not a nazir, but the vow itself is not effective and there's no prohibition for them eating these, these sweet things. Okay, so that's the Mishnah, and now, as I promised you, we're going to go through these. I'm not actually going to read most of the material in these chunks in the Gemara, but I'll talk about them conceptually. Uh, the first piece of text uh, that we get, the first chunk of text, uh, starts on uh, 9a at the end, end of line 3 in the Vilna Shas, in the, in the uh, Vilna edition of the Talmud, uh, and it goes down to the bottom of the page. And here we have a, a conceptual attempt, an attempt to conceptualize what's going on uh, between Beit Hillel and Beit, Sh and Beit Shammai in terms of the first version, the first voice in the Mishnah, the, an understanding of that presentation of the dispute, um, the one in which Beit Shammai said the person's a Nazir and Beit Hillel said the vow is effective but they're not a Nazir. Uh, according to the Gemara here, uh, the Beit Shammai position lines up with a general conceptual position that we find in the Talmud in the name of Rebbe Meir, where he says that a person, that a person never brings a word out of their mouth uh, in vain. So if the person said they're a Nazir, then no, they're a Nazir. So what's the big deal? Right, the, you have to you have to trust people. You can't be overly critical of people's language. If they say they're a nazir, they're a nazir. And so the rest of the statement is just maybe some kind of weird misunderstanding, or they're adding something. But whatever the case may be, uh, they are they are in fact a nazir because they use the word. And Uveit Hillel Savrela Karebiosi and Beit Hillel lines up with a general conceptual idea in the Talmud of Rebbe Yossi's that a person is only accountable for the last statement that they make. So in other words, this is sort of like saying when the person said they were Nazir at the beginning of the statement, we have to wait to hear what that means to that person at the end of the statement. And so when we hear that for that person being a Nazir means that they are going to refrain from eating these sweet things, these sweet fruits, then uh, we take them at their, at their word because it was the last thing that they said. And so that person is not actually a Nazir in the sense of what's laid out in, in, in the book of Numbers, but instead they're a person who has effectively made a vow to refrain from eating sweets. Now, uh, as I mentioned before, the next piece of the Gemara picks up at the top of 9b, this is the second set of text here, and what we actually discover here is that there's another version, a third and then perhaps even a fourth version of what the dispute actually is. This is a statement of Rebbe Natan's here. We have two versions of the statement of Rebbe Natan, and the question is whether Beit Shammai actually says that not only they're a Nazir, but also they, uh, they have to, in fact, hold to the vow. Not only do they have to refrain from drinking wine, cutting their hair, and coming into contact with the, the dead, but in addition to that, they're a Nazir with this little extra piece, which is that they have to refrain from eating these sweet fruits. So we have that version, and then we have um, sort of a, a, a almost like a little bit of Rebbe Yehuda 
type or Rebbe Yehuda style version of that same statement of Rebbe Natan's in which uh, Beit Shammai uh, seems to be saying they all do have the vow effectively, uh, but they are not a Nazir, and Beit Hillel saying nothing altogether. So this is either three different versions of that same dispute that we have. We really don't know what it was that Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai actually were disputing. There's some kind of historical memory that there was a dispute on this issue between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, but people can't quite remember what that dispute actually was. So uh, at the end of line six on 9b, we actually are gonna juxtapose Mishnah Menachot 12.3. Uh, and there in that Mishnah, what we get is a whole series of statements about a person who vows to bring a, a, uh, a grain offering to the temple, but they vow to bring that grain offering in a way which is out of consonance with the regulations relating to the grain offering. Do you say, well, they're still on the hook for a grain offering, even though they messed up what, what in fact, uh, the grain offering consists of, right? In other words, if he says, I'm going to bring regular old flour, well, the grain offering has to be brought with semolina flour. So do you say that that person now has to bring the semolina flour grain offering because that's what they have to bring in order to bring a grain offering? Or since they specified regular flour, do you say that's it? It's, they're totally off. They don't have to bring anything at all because we're just not going to bring regular flour grain offering. Um, and the question is, is that really the same dispute? And one of the fascinating things here is that in the course of this dispute, uh, the Amoraim and very specifically uh, Rebbe Yochanan comes up with the idea that really maybe the way we can understand what's going on here is to say the person didn't know what they were saying. They didn't understand what a grain offering actually consisted of. And they say the following thing, Ilu Haiti Yodea, had I known that grain offerings are just not brought in this way, that that's against the rules, She'en no dream kach, then I wouldn't have made my vow in this way. Obviously, I would have made my vow in accordance with the rules if I had just known. And so if that's the case, we're going to allow things to sort of revert back to, uh, to the state of being in which we say, well, they made a vow. They made a vow. And that vow was to bring a grain offering. And they didn't know how that was, but they still want to make the grain offering. And so we'll go ahead and say to that, they're still obligated for a grain offering. Pretty simple. Now, uh, does this actually line up with our dispute in the Mishnah? The Gemara concludes it probably doesn't. This is probably a case in which uh, a person, our Mishnah, and this is the distinction between the two Mishnayot, our Mishnah is probably a case where a person is just using the word Nazir to indicate that they want to make a vow. And this happens sometimes in the, with the way language works. Words have a kind of flexibility where uh, they lose their original meaning. And since people see Nazirim, they see that they make vows. So they say, I'm going to be like a Nazir. This is how it starts out probably. I'm going to be like a Nazir is towards wine. But for me, I'm, that's going to be with these sweet fruits. In other words, I'm going to treat sweet fruits the way that a Nazir treats wine. And then eventually it just becomes, well, I'm going to be a Nazir 
refraining from sweet fruits. That's probably what the person actually meant, and that's probably what the origin of the Machloket is between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. So to make this really, really relevant, we should probably all try and think of moments in our own lives where we actually uh, use language in a way which is different than the denotative meaning. We use words in some kind of a, of a looser way than the strict definition that those words actually have. So I'm going to do my best to think about that overnight, and uh, I wish you all luck, and I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow for the next edition of Daily Daf Differently. Thanks so much. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.